0: I'm into the things that take the least amount of effort to get the most reward, not things that take the most effort to get the most reward. I want to step over one-foot hurdles, not jump over 10-foot hurdles. Hey, it's Jason Fladlin here. You're listening to The Jason Fladlin Show, where I'll be sharing everything from sales and webinar tips to improving productivity and reaching your infinite potential. Jason Fladlin here. And the other day I got a little silly and I went to ChatGPT and I asked it the following prompt. I'm going to read it to you directly. I said, what are Jason Fladlin's top tips for webinars? And guess what happened? It gave me back eight tips. And interestingly enough, they were good, but not good enough. So I'm going to help you get a better understanding of some Jason Fladlin webinar tips than even ChatGPT will ever hope to accomplish. That's what this video is about. Now, here's what it said. And I kind of like this before I got into the tips. It says, Jason Fladlin, a renowned expert in webinars. Yeah, yeah. And online marketing, ooh, I get bonus points, has shared various tips and strategies to create successful webinars. While the specific recommendations may evolve over time, here are some general top tips that he has emphasized in his work. Let's see if chat GPT is correct, hallucinating, or somewhere in between. Tip number one, it says, it says, start with a compelling hook. And then it reads, Grab the attention of your audience right from the beginning with a strong and engaging opening. Clearly communicate the benefits and value they will gain from attending the webinar. I give that a B minus, maybe a B B plus even. It's pretty good. You want to hook your audience immediately when you start the webinar. This is more important for the replay of the webinar than the actual webinar. So when you send out the replay, you want people grabbing right away and pulling in because bounce rates on watching videos on the Internet are pretty high. So people will be more tolerant on the webinar at the beginning if you're not straight to the point and hitting them. In fact, there's always this warm up. Hey, let me know if you can hear me, see my screen, blah, 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 which all should be cut out of the replay, by the way. But when I'm starting the webinar, I tend to script the first 10 to 15 to 20 seconds. So I say exactly, precisely the words that I want to begin the webinar with. Now, we just did a webinar recently that converted out of this world like 30 percent. And I started that webinar with a pop quiz. I said, Jason Flatland here, and I got a pop quiz for you. True or false? Type T into the chat if you think it's true. F if you think it's false. Question number one, and then boom, I hit him over the head with the first question. Now, what I did underneath all of that was each question was related to a specific objection that I knew the audience was going to have on that topic. Some resistance points that would make them concerned if they should follow the advice that I was going to give or not, which is more important of a tip on a webinar that I don't think ChatGTP picked up. If it didn't, I'll tell you it later. So that's number one. Number two, ChatGPT says, focus on a specific outcome. Mwah, chef's kiss to that one. That's an A+. plus. Every webinar that I design has what I call a clearly defined outcome. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me read what ChatGPT says specifically. It says, focus on a specific outcome, clearly define the outcome or transformation the attendees can expect from the webinar, highlight the problem you will solve or the goal you will help them achieve. I was blown away when I read this one. I train in my webinar programs, set clearly defined outcomes as the specific language that I use. Now, here's why you should do that for your webinars, not just for your audience for you as well. If you don't have a target that you can aim at, chances are you're not going to hit anything worthwhile. So I like to tell my audience, this is the goal that I have for you to be able to accomplish the following at the end of this webinar. And even sometimes I'll go further and say, if I fall short of this goal, I don't want you to buy what I'm selling at the end of the webinar. However, if I succeed at this goal, then you should feel obligated to purchase what I'm offering at the end. So not only do I clearly define it for the audience, I clearly define it for myself. So I have a target to hit to really bring out the best in me and my training on the webinar. And then I let them know. So we're on the same page. We're working together to come to this conclusion. And that's what separates my webinars from the rest. Number three from ChatGTP, it says, use storytelling techniques. Incorporate stories and anecdotes to connect with your audience on an emotional level. This helps to build rapport, engage their interest, and make the content more relatable. I give this a D minus. I do not very often teach much about storytelling techniques and I myself don't use story very often in my webinars. In fact, most often my origin story on my webinar is maybe a minute and a half at most comparatively to most other people's webinars where they go on and on and on and on about themselves. I know what is going to impress my audience the most is my ability to communicate to their needs, to their limitations, to their issues, vis-a-vis the content that I'm talking about. So I don't have to say too much about myself. I show what I'm capable of instead of tell what I could be capable of. So I'm not a big fan of stories. And even though I can do them well, I don't typically teach the people that follow me to use stories because I find doing stories right is hard. It takes too much effort. I'm into the things that take the least amount of effort to get the most reward, not things that take the most effort to get the most reward. I want to step over one-foot hurdles, not jump over 10-foot hurdles. And so we generally don't focus too much on story. It is a tool in the toolkit, of course. I can bring it out if I want to, but oftentimes I don't place much emphasis. So chat GPT misses the mark completely with that one. Let's look at the next one. Number four, it says provide valuable content Ensure that the content you deliver during the webinar is informative, practical, and actionable, share valuable insights, strategies, and tips that your audience can immediately apply in their own business and lives. I give this a C plus, maybe a B minus. You should provide valuable content on your webinars. The, The debate is over what is valuable content. What most people think is a lot of content. What I've discovered is a small portion of the right content, emphasized from a variety of perspectives is the best approach. So the most important thing you can do from somebody is remove 90% of the noise. So then they're left with the 10% that matters the most. So most insight is done from subtraction, not addition. I got to remove all these conflicting and contradictory pieces of information in your head. And also these behaviors that you want that you're like torn between. I want to get rich, but my mom says it's evil to get rich, but I want to make a lot of money. But I heard you had to cheat to make money. But yeah, I still want a lot of money, but I don't want to be accused of being greedy. This kind of internal battle that's going on. And so when you provide a whole bunch of different information, if that was it, then anybody with a library card could be successful. It's the right amount of information, the right quality of information to the right person at the right time in the right way that they can best understand it. That's what matters the most. That's what makes it valuable. So value is subjective here, not objective. And so I have to know the needs of the market most specifically to give them the least amount of information that's gonna have the biggest impact when it becomes to changing a limiting behavior to an empowering one. So that's what we strive for, and that's what we attempt. And so ChatGTP doesn't quite get that now. Will it get that in the future? I don't know. Remains to be seen, but that's really the insight when it comes to value. Number five, use visuals effectively. Utilize visual aids such as slides, diagrams, or demonstrations to enhance the clarity and impact of your message. Visuals can help to engage and hold the attention of your audience. I give this a C, maybe a C-. minus. Diagrams. I would be scared to use a diagram on a webinar. Generally, when you're teaching people logically or leaning too hard into the logical perspective, they will tune you out. People will look at these charts and diagrams, and unless you contextualize and emotionalize them, they will go back to being in school they will have a mini panic attack and they will associate that with you and your content. They will check the heck out. they say, I'd rather suffer than have to figure things out visually in a complicated manner. So the best visuals are slides, nine times out of 10. And oftentimes they're slides with very little on them. One key point per slide is the ideal. I don't typically accomplish that. That makes your webinars 300, 400, 500, maybe 600 slides, right? I usually come in about a a buck 50, 150 slides because I'm like, man, I need to break this over more slides. I try to make visuals that are attractive to the eye at a glance without much cognitive processing occurring so somebody can understand them. So usually it's just a few words per slide to contain a single point or insight related to that slide. Now, the other way you want to use visuals is proof. If I tell you something that's less effective than if I show it to you. So I can say one out of five professional sellers on Amazon sell over a million dollars, or I could clip and put on a slide a third-party credibility source, a media that says it, and then I can quote it. So visuals should most often show something to validate and prove what you're saying. The verbal should match the visual in a way that makes it iron tight when it comes to its credibility and its believability. Number six, encourage interaction and engagement. Incorporate interactive elements into your webinar, such as polls, Q&A sessions, or live chat. This fosters engagement, allows attendees to participate actively, and creates a sense of community. i give this one about a C too. You definitely want to encourage interaction and engagement. I usually do this informally rather than formally. I'm not too particular if somebody's putting something in a chat box. This is called an interactive response device. When you ask them for something and then they comply. So if you ask something of someone and they comply and they do that regularly, then complying with bigger asks as you go progressively through the webinar leads to them having less friction. They say, well, I've, I've done things you've asked in the past, so therefore I'll be consistent and do things you ask in the future. That is true. What I don't like, though, due to the disruption of timing of the presentation is when you're pausing and you're waiting for stuff to be inputted into the chat and then you're feeding it back. It just messes up the rhythm of the webinar. What I most want in terms of interaction and engagement, more engagement than interaction, I want people saying yes and nodding their head physically as I'm presenting. I want several times when people going, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. They don't have to put it into the chat. Now, I will use conversational tone versus presentational tone. So I will speak to the individual and I will ask them for feedback, whether they put it informally or think it in their head, I don't care. And that keeps it conversational, it feels more interactive in that regard so I might say things along the line too is even if you're at the beginning of the journey or you've been doing this for a while what you'll discover is yada 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 so I'm speaking to the individual but I'm addressing the crowd at the same time so whether you started or you've been here a while who does that get everybody right if you see success right away or if it takes a little bit longer What's important is, and I'm speaking to both audiences, people who are wanting and needing an immediate result and those that are more likely just to be consistent and plug away at it. That's how we create engagement. That's how we create interaction. We will do not Q&A sessions. By the way, if you're selling something, never call it a Q&A session because then the frame is you ask me questions and I answer them. Instead, we call them like fireside chat. We're gonna come and figure out if you should buy this thing or not. That's often how I frame it. So ask the questions to help you determine if you should say yes to this offer or no to this offer. They're never Q and A sessions. I haven't used a poll in years. Polls are okay. They typically take too much preparation ahead of time. And again, they disrupt the flow. So I don't use polls very often. They're an okay device. But the best thing you can learn is to communicate in a way where people feel like you're having a two-way dialogue, even though it's you presenting to everybody. Number seven, offer a clear call to action. At the end of your webinar, provide a clear and compelling call to action. Whether it's signing up for a program, purchasing a product, or taking a specific next step, make it easy for attendees to take action and continue their journey with you. I give this a B minus. You should have a clear call to action. What they're missing here is it should be repeatedly given. So if you analyze my webinars, I'll typically do 20, 30, maybe 40 calls to actions throughout those webinars. So the first call to action is essentially, here's the name of the product, here's what it's about, here's the investment, go here and sign up. And when you sign up, here's the first bonus you get. Now go and sign up. Here's the second bonus you get. Now go and sign up. Here's the third bonus you get. Now go and sign up. Then we'll take in and we'll look at the chat and we'll go back and forth. We say, oh, well, so-and-so is asking about blah, blah, blah. Well, here's the answer to that. And if that makes sense to you to help you sign up, here's where you go to sign up, right? You'll say, you know, by the way, we have more information about that at this URL. So while you go here to sign up, you can reference and see that. And so we are doing repeated calls to action for people to sign up. And I don't think you can overdo it. So it's always like insight, call to action, value add, call to action, objection handled, call to action. Number eight, practice and refine. Practice your webinar delivery to ensure a smooth and confident presentation. Pay attention to timing, pacing, and clarity. Gather feedback from attendees and analyze the performance to identify areas for improvement. I don't really practice. I never have for a webinar. Maybe a little bit. We practice in the field. So the idea is to get in front of audiences as much as you possibly can and work it out that way. And we do a lot of post-morteming. So after the webinar is done, what went right? What could be improved? What do we thought? was important that ended up not being important. And what do we neglect that wasn't important that we shouldn't have neglected? That kind of stuff. So I like that. Smooth and confident presentation that is absolutely important. You don't want to be rigid. You don't want to feel like you're not in the moment with the audience. Timing, pacing, and clarity are critical. So I I don't know what I gave. Did I give this a grade or not? I think I'll give this a B minus. Timing is the most important thing timing and pacing. So communicating with that rhythm, as you've heard me reference over and over again, I think that is critically important. I don't gather feedback directly from attendees because oftentimes it's like asking a fish how to catch it. You're not going to get very much information that's valuable to you. Instead, we observe and then we make inferences and we test them out further but most of you should be practicing in public in front of audiences without a net where you buy or you die essentially you either win or you learn something and that's the best practice that you can give there will be certain very specific parts that has some finesse to them that you need to know how to deliver but you practice that once or twice you get it locked in and then it's a tool and your kid again you can pull out and place anywhere the one biggest thing, there's a lot of things it's missing here. The one biggest thing that ChatGPT misses about the webinars that I do that are unique and specific that other people don't do in their webinars nearly as well unless they've learned them from me is address objections in the beginning of the webinar immediately and then destroy them again throughout in your content portion and then resurrect them and destroy them a third time in the closing section the constraint the objection is the most important thing that you will deal with on a webinar that by the way comes from where your content is all framed around those key objections that prevent people from doing the things they should be doing that is where you are working on specific outcomes or your specific outcome is made to unlimited behavior that somebody thinks they're limited by so they no longer can use that as an excuse to stay small that's the kind of stuff that goes into a webinar. So the number one thing, the most important thing, is know how to murder the objection, as I like to call it. For somebody who shouldn't have that objection, that keeping that objection is costing them and shedding that objection will only benefit them. That's the design for all of these webinars. So bottom line with this, with ChatGPT, oh, oh, by the way, here's the, here's the outro that it gives. So in summary, this is the final thing that, that Chat G This is, it's important to note that Jason Flatlin's recommendations may vary based on his latest insights and strategies. Explore his updated materials, courses, or attend his webinars directly with provide the most up-to-date and comprehensive information on his top tips for webinars. Amen to that. Chat GPT is simping for me right now. They're basically saying, buy my stuff, attend my webinars, follow me, observe how I do it in the wild if you want to learn anything. And that's that's A-plus advice. They're biased. I'll give it A-plus advice from my biased perspective on all of this, but here's the issue that you're gonna find with chat GPT: It's good, but it's not good enough. It misses the context and the particulars. Will it close that gap? Maybe, when will it close that gap? If it does, I don't know, probably five or 10 or 15 years. The coolest thing about it though, was I was able to create a video from you through real insight that I didn't have to prep for. I put in one sentence, it spit out something, and then I could fill in the finer points. So this is kind of like when you buy one of those paintings and it says, put this color here, put this color there, and they have lines that you can paint within. This is what it's gonna offer for those of you who are the most enterprising to use with ChatGPT. You have now made something that used to be a blank canvas that required a lot of artistic skill into something that's more procedurals where you just got to fill in a little detail here, a little detail there, a little detail here. That's how you stand out. That's how you win in webinars or elsewhere. There you go. Let me know what you thought was the most insightful from this video. And if you liked anything here, subscribe, and I'll catch you on the next one. Hey, Jason Flyland here. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you found this helpful at all, please leave me a review. And thanks again, and stay tuned for future episodes.